I'd like to suggest we take a quick breather so I can ask several thousand questions. Tom, gotta keep moving so we don't die. I can get behind that, but what's your plan? Don't die. Okay, understood, but beyond that. Don't die. Don't die isn't a plan, it's a general demand of living. If you're Loki's, you should always have a plan. Popheads, welcome to issue 169 of the TomCast Popcast, coming to you from the void, right next to the Thanos Chopper. My name is Tom, thank you so much for listening to this quality, independent pop culture podcast. Please be sure you're following us on social media, at TomCastPopcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomCastPopcast at gmail.com, and uh, hey, yeah, Please like, like, subscribe, and share this podcast with all the friends and family you have. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, and so many, many more. And if we're not on something, let me know, and we'll make sure to get us there. Wow! Wow, what a week! We're back again for another Loki-rific, Loki Wednesday. And, uh, oh, man, the penultimate episode is today. And I was really, really delighted with what we got to see on the screen. I hope you all feel the same about it as I do. Because uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to have a lot, a lot of fun talking about this one. Again, you know, penultimate episode. Ap- episode 5. One more. One final. Uh, for the for the whole kitten caboodle next week for episode 6. An- questions will be answered. Mysteries will be revealed. Uh, it's going to be a great time. And again, I had a blast with this episode. And I cannot wait to talk to you about it today. And because it is Loki Wednesday, we do have to, uh, you know, kind of kind of set the mood a little bit, right? I, I just started doing this last week, but I had so much fun doing it. I got to do it again, all right? Let's set the mood for Loki Wednesday. What do you say? Yeah, there it is. I'm feeling mischievous already. So many variants of me roaming around. And they're all doing the same thing, <laughs> making podcasts. <laughs> That's all the variant Tom can do make podcasts it's ridiculous but that's what that's what we'd love to do and we do it in every branch of the multiverse that we can <laughs> all right now that the stage is set let's get into the conversation i'm really really excited to do so um i teased you there we're not going to get into the conversation just yet because we have one more final thing to do we have to thank the official members of pophead nation which you can join at patreon.com forward slash tomcast podcast you can join the nation and gain access to the sweet bonus content Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Jeff is the co-host of The Ringing Ear, a great music podcast for all you fancy highfalutin music folk out there. Check it out. They do good stuff over there. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista, a pariah brewing company right here in San Diego, California, and coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. Get ready. Get ready, Baltimore. Brace yourselves. <laughs> Brace yourselves. It was me, uh, Natty Bo. Not going to be a thing anymore. Uh, Pariah's going to put him down. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. And, of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. Let's get into it. Thank you all. Um, excuse me. Sorry. Thank you all so much for being Patreons. My goodness. You keep the lights on. You keep the show getting better and better, I hope. And you make it all worth the while. All right. 
Now, as we as I as I've teased 14 times already, let's get into the conversation. We have a guest today, and uh, I'm not going to say who it is just yet. You have to be pleasantly surprised uh, when when the other line comes on. So let's check it out. Let's do what we got to do. You know what that means? It's time to sit down, buckle up, <laughs> hold on to your butts, and buckle up again. It's Loki time. Will someone please explain to me what the hell is going on? Look. It's been a very, very, very trying past few days. Months? I don't even know how long it's been since New York. All I know is I got pruned, and I woke up here, and now I'm surrounded by variants of myself, plus an alligator, which I'm heartbroken to report I didn't even find all that strange. And now we're running from God knows what, trying to get to God knows where, when what I need to be doing is trying to find a way back to the TVA. All right, well, this week it's a bit of a return to our classic Marvel TV format. We have a guest to join us, so you don't have to listen to me uh, blather on excessively about so much ridiculous minutia. <laughs> so, welcome back to the podcast, my brother Mark, who was uh, busy last week, but has made the time for us this week. Uh, Mark, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Excited to talk to you about Loki, episode five. This, is, uh, this episode is uh, titled Journey into Mystery, which I'm sure you are well aware is the comic book that both Thor and Loki first appeared in. Nope. <laughs> well, it sure is, Mark. It sure is. Uh, this episode is directed by Kate Heron, and it's written by Tom Kaufman. So you had, right. you had no idea that Journey into Mysteries is where they made their first appearance? No. Oh, my. Oh, my. Dark days ahead. <laughs> I just, I never cared about Thor or Loki as comic book characters growing up. <laughs> oh, boy. There's no reason for me to know that. <laughs> well, I mean, you did read comic books at least. Yeah, but I didn't read Thor or Loki comics. All right, all right, all right. Uh, before we dive into the episode proper, I do have to ask you an important question. What is in your glass today, my friend? Uh, today I am drinking Dust Bowl Brewing Company's Taco Truck Amber Lager. And how was that? Pretty good. Um, it's refreshing. Uh a little bit more malty than I would like for a lager, but still pretty good. Nice. Okay. Uh, I'm having from our friends at Pizza Port, the Coastal Access IPA, uh, 7% alcohol on this puppy, and it is really, really nice. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you for the dramatic pause. Appreciate that. Well, so, like I said, you know, this is going to be kind of a return to format here a, a little bit as you and I have a discussion about the episode as opposed to me just kind of going on and on and on and on about the episode all by myself, uh, which means that uh, I, I we're probably interjecting less uh, quotes for, or less uh, scenes from the show into this episode, which uh, I'm sure Disney will appreciate. I don't think they care for it when I do that very much, uh, but they're rich and I don't care. So I'll do it when I want to, damn it. But that means we can have a full-fledged discussion, which I'm excited about. And uh, But... But I have to ask, what did you think of uh, last week's episode four, since we didn't get to talk to you on the podcast about it? I liked it. You know, I don't I don't think I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have my mind blown like I, it seemed like the internet did. But, um, <laughs> but I, I thought, I thought it was a very good episode. Um, but I think also, especially after having watched this episode, I really don't think they needed that um, that mid-credits stinger at the end of last week. I think it would have been more effective to just 
let everyone think Loki was dead and that the show was going to be about Sylvie from then on. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely entertained the notion. But I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> I I mean, I personally like the, like the stinger because, I mean, we've been... I mean, since we saw the trailers all those many, many months ago that, that they've been sort of teasing, you know, multiple variants of Loki actually running around in the show, and then we finally get them. And not only do we get some some of the fan uh, two fan favorite variations of Loki from the comic books, I mean, uh, like, Richard E. Grant, dude. I thought that was awesome. I was blown away. I was like, they got Richard E. Grant to put on Loki horns? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I thought he was... Uh the best part of this episode. Oh, he was fantastic in this episode. Uh, you know, we will definitely be talking about uh, Richard D. Grant. And, and I, I, I will talk to you now about it because I know, I know that, you know, back in the day, you enjoyed this movie as much as I did. But I thought it was really fun to see Richard D. Grant, the, the guy who was hunting warlocks back in, like, the late 80s, being a guy casting spells and delusions on people in this episode. I loved it. That's right. I didn't, I didn't even think about warlock. I, I, always, I always think of Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's, hey, he's great in that too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'll, I'll never forget Warlock. I mean, that was just just an interesting, weird movie that we watched when we were kids. I mean, I remember loving it. I should probably go back to it. Yeah, I mean, Richard E. Grant as as the witch hunter and and Julian Sands as uh, the t- the titular Warlock himself, melting right. melting the fat of babies so he could fly. What a delightful yeah. movie! Fun for the whole family. That's great. <laughs> Agreed. So I want to ask you. Uh, for this episode, I the the problem with trying to break like discussing this episode will be easy. Um, so I wanted to have like a separate section of like all the the fourteen billion Easter eggs they inserted into this episode. Some of which you may have noticed, some of which may have gone past you. Uh, would you rather do that at the beginning or at the end of our discussion? Why don't we Why don't we do it at the end? Okay. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out a way to kind of incorporate the whole thing. You know, like, oh, we can talk about this as we go, but I, I'm not 100% sure I, I can uh, follow that. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I would be afraid that I would forget something. Yeah, I, I feel like I only caught one or two. Okay, all right. Well, like I said, well, you know what? Maybe I'll try to maybe I'll try to work them in there when I can, and then we'll go back. I'll I'll go back over my list at the end, and we can kind of cross off what we what we maybe didn't get to or did get to. Uh, yeah. as this episode opens, it is Loki in the void as we now, as, as we're about to find out, it's called the void and the Loki's basically telling him to run. We have to run. We have to go now. Alioth is going to eat us. And then we cut the title credits and we go back to, uh, we go back to the TVA. We go back to Sylvie with, uh, Renslayer. And I guess I'm just kind of curious how you thought that all worked out real quickly. Um, uh, again, the, the introduction to Loki in the void and then, uh, Renslayer and Sylvie's interactions. What were your What was your thinking on that? How did How did that flow for you? Did you like it? Did you trust Renslayer the way Sylvie did, or do you think Do you think Do you think Sylvie didn't trust her? Well, I think. I mean, I think they even said it in the episode that that she she tr- she trusted her just a little bit, but you know, not enough. And um, no, I I didn't trust her. Um, yeah, I, I I thought the scene played out well and. You know, played out kind of like what you would expect that uh, Renslayer is stalling. Yeah, I thought um, I thought it, it became obvious sorry. that she was stalling. No, no worries. I, I was going to say I was agreeing with you. I think it became pretty obvious that she was stalling when she had missed minutes. You know, searching for files that she couldn't find, and there must have been some kind of code word or something, right? That Renslayer slipped her to know that she was in distress. 
bad or I mean, we don't really know exactly how Miss Minutes works. I mean, she's a program. She could have just hit a button on her. What are those little pads that they that they have? Yeah, little temp pad. Yeah, maybe she just like hit some kind of distress button on that, or you know, maybe Miss Minutes is also kind of like a security system and knows what's going on within the TVA. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, as we were kind of catching up with with Loki and the other in the variants in the void, you know, we're going through that that sort of a uh, that that weird cityscape, right, of, of like these kind of buildings that look like they've all been like blown over by something. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of curious. I mean, at this point, we didn't realize what it actually was, but I was curious what you thought maybe that represented. Hey, did you think it was like like a version of like Loki's conquered New York from the first Avengers movie, or did, were you thinking like I don't know? I'll just see what this is. I th- I think it's more of I was just looking it, it, just along for for the ride, you know. Like I mean, I definitely noticed there was an Avengers tower in there. Mark, I'm glad you brought that up. That is our first Easter egg <laughs> to talk okay. about because uh, it is in fact Avengers Tower, Stark Tower, as it was uh, it, that would become Avengers Tower at the end of the first Avengers film. Except in this in this Loki show. Again, in this branched universe that has been pruned to the void, that's what happens. That's what we learn happens in this episode. When you get pruned, you get sent basically to the like the end of time, basically where where yeah you can't branch out anymore. You can't cause any more problems, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, how how do you process that? I was okay with it. Yeah, I thought it made it made total sense. I like the whole thing about you know you can't destroy energy. That's physics. That makes sense. So you, they they transport sure. it. I, I I bought into that one hundred percent. But yes, back to that Easter egg. So it's not actually Stark Towers. If you pause it, it's Q-Eng Tower. All right? This, yeah, I, th- I thought it said something different. Yes. This is actually a reference to uh, uh, Q-Eng Enterprises that buying the tower from Tony Stark back in all new, all different Avengers number one. And it turned out through the course of the storyline uh, that the CEO of Q-Eng was in fact a man, oh, I'm sorry, not in fact, but was a man named Mr. Gryphon, right? Who would mm-hmm. ultimately be revealed to be, in fact, one of the many, many, many identities of Kang the Conqueror. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> nah, just, you know, all these Kang the Conqueror hints and nods and winks. Well, so let me ask you. I mean, yes, the, the, the Kang references are beginning to pile up in, in this series. Uh, do you feel it's a misdirect, or or is this like sort of like the yellow brick road that we're following to Kang? I I think it's it's Kang at this point. All right, I it's it's getting harder and harder to refute that. I I offer alternative theories, but it is getting harder and harder to deny the possibility that uh, that Kang uh, will 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 step forth next week. Right, but, certainly seems that way. Yeah. And uh, what did you think? Okay, so so the TVA prunes these timelines, and they they send them to the end to this end time period, uh, this 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 what what they call like the TVA's garbage land, right? Garbage fill, landfill. I don't right. know what word I'm trying to use. Uh, and you have Alioff, this, this this who sort of like uh, just goes around destroying these things permanently by consuming them. I liked it. Yeah. What did you think of Alioff? Not into it. Not <laughs> tired of tired of big giant nebulous clouds. It, it it did it made me think is this just a variant of Galactus from Fantastic Four two, <laughs> um, you know I yeah I I just didn't think it it looked very good I I don't think it's very compelling when you have a cloud chasing people, but 
you know, it was what it was. All right. So our next Easter egg actually is Alioth himself. Uh, he was part of a Avengers miniseries back in the day, back in the early nineties called Avengers, the Terminatrix objective. Uh, a book that heavily okay. featured Ravana Renslayer, who was going by the name Terminatrix at the time, which that's very nineties, right? Terminatrix. Certainly. Yes. <laughs> but uh, instead of sort of being like this tool, this, this instrument that the TVA is using to uh, consume these beings, these variants, and these variant timelines. Uh, Alioth is actually, um, um, what's the best way to describe him? Like he's, a, he's sort of like all-powerful uh, temporal being who actually had a kingdom that was even larger than King the Conqueror's. So in a sense, they were sort of okay. rivals. Okay. Yeah, so another bit, a little bit of a, a comic book connection there, and, and, you, and you have to wonder like how they're going to, if, if they're going to make that connection more pro- pronounced, or if, if this, this is just like, oh, we'll just use Alioth for this, because we kind of want this, this guard dog scenario like we sort of got in this episode. Right. Um, in the comic book, was Alioth solid or a cloud? No, he's kind of a cloud. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, look. At least it's comic book faithful. Yeah, it's con- it's, it's consistent. It's consistent. What did you think of right. of um, when when we stand re- re- revealed that Ravana Renslayer is not going to help Sylvie uh, because they they both want this. It's funny. They both want the same thing, but for very very different reasons. Um, what did you think of the betrayal? Betrayal is not even the right word, but sort of like the uh, the turning on of I, the turning doesn't make sense either. Renslayer just does what Renslayer does, right? And she's going to get Sylvie and prune Sylvie. Sylvie self-prunes. Prunes herself. <laughs> what do you think of that? Um, I mean, I liked it. It, it made sense. Uh, she certainly took it on faith that at least some of what Renslayer was saying was the truth in order to self-prune like that. Well, like I said, um, I, mean, <laughs> I do like the term self-pruning, but it just sounds funny to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I definitely was into it. I thought it was really cool that, that Sylvie makes that choice, and it, it's sort of surprising. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming no one at the TV at this point has seen anyone uh, prune themselves out of existence. But right. again, you know, you are taking – Sylvie is taking a bit of a leap of faith here that, that Renslayer it did tell her the truth. Um, right. But like, like, I, like I mentioned, uh, to me, when she said what it said you know, about you, know, you can't destroy energy, I'm like, well, that does make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, a bit of a leap of faith, but uh, she ultimately, ultimately sees, like, this void at the end of time as the best way to get the answers that she needs because, again, she was the person hiding in these apocalypses. I really liked the, her, the way she, she, she kind of, like, sussed this all out. I, I thought it made a ton of sense, and I was really, really into it. Okay. <laughs> you not so much? Well, you... well no, I mean, I, just, I, I don't know how much sussing she actually did. I mean, you know, she just kind of interrogated Renslayer and then took her on her word on some things and then not on others. Yeah. Well, as we, we've seen, so, this is, this, uh, Sylvia is a, is a crafty Loki variant. So I, I don't know. I think it, to me, it made a ton of sense. I was into it. Yeah. I, I didn't dislike it. I was like, okay. And I, I love that. Like, again, the, the, the taking the, turning the baton onto herself is a very dramatic gesture too. So I, I enjoyed that. It was, Quite dramatic. <laughs> Let's go back to the void. Our Loki is now with the, the his group of variants, the boastful Loki, the, the kid Loki, and classic Loki, a.k.a. Richard E. Grant. Uh, and they're they're on the run, and they're telling Loki the plan's the run, and Loki's like, that's not a plan, that's just how you live. I, I love that whole thing. I love how our Loki 
has be, is is just really off balance and kind of has been since episode one. You know, remember this this Loki. You know, when he's in Avengers, the first Avengers movie. I mean, he's just you know super, you know, uh, overconfident, super arrogant, and now he's this guy since episode one who just asks a million questions and gets the weirdest, most ridiculous answers. And I, I like that for this character. I like him being off balance in this way and being very frustrated that these Lokis aren't just going to explain everything to him. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of those initial interactions with the, with the variants there, with the, with the ones that came to get him? Well, you know, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was appropriate. Um, you, for, you forgot to mention Alligator Loki. I did. Um, that was a crime on my part. I apologize because I loved Alligator Loki so much. Yeah, I thought he was the best of the Lokis, or <laughs> she, whichever. I guess that's true. They didn't really establish a, a sex, did they? No. Yeah. But I also liked how they questioned later on as to whether or not it even is a Loki, and it might just be playing a long con. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a hundred percent true. I like, I did like that scene a lot with with uh, with uh, uh, yeah, spoilers. But uh, but Mobius isn't dead either, so he's in the void as well. Right. And they're having a little chat, and I I really like that scene too. And I part of me wants to like you know this podcast will very likely never get the opportunity to actually interview Owen Wilson or Richard E. Grant, but I would love to know uh, uh, Owen Wilson's thoughts on actually having a scene with somebody like Richard E. Grant who has you know a billion acting awards to his name. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for that in-depth <laughs> response to my thought there how many, i mean well how many awards is richard uh, that, i was just wondering how many awards richard e grant has won because i i know he was up for like an oscar recently and i think he won in uh, like a golden globe or something but i i don't know how decorated he is i mean even if it's not right? for his movies it's got to be for his 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 uh, stage presence when he's on, you know, he does like a lot oh, okay. of those Shakespeare things and, and all that good stuff. I mean, Richard E. Grant has got some gravitas. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I wasn't thinking about, about his plays or anything like that. Yeah, and, and you know, he's doing a scene against the guy from Shanghai Noon. <laughs> and he seemed to be enjoying Classic. it, which is the best part. Right. Which I, which makes me like Mr. Grant even, even more. I mean, look, Richard E. Grant was in Hudson Hawk, so... Holy shit, you're right. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> How could you? You know, the late 80s, early 90s were an interesting time for a lot of actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, gosh, there's a movie I've not watched in 25 years. <laughs> I don't even know if it's possible to watch it again. <laughs> you think they burned all the copies? I just mean, I, I don't I don't know if anyone could sit through it. Uh, that maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So as our as our Loki variants are making their way back to the the, the you know, kid Loki again identified as the ruler of the void, which again we we sort of get back to like the whole Loki wants to rule anything even if it's a pile of garbage, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Right. I, I love the way they're able to use these variants to explore elements of the character, and we'll talk about that a little bit more once all the variants are kind of in the same room together. Uh, but we get to that that little bunker area, and they're they're about to go underground. Did you notice that sweet? helicopter that said Thanos on it? It did. That is, in fact, from a comic book. Yes, I know. Okay, you know that one? I am familiar with Thanos having a helicopter once. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. 
It debuted in a short story in 1979's Spidey Super Stories number 39 that pitted Thanos against Spider-Man and Hellcat. Because Hellcat, for some reason, had the Cosmic Cube, and Thanos is like, I want that. And why did he have a helicopter? <laughs> to steal it, the Cosmic Cube? Because it was the 70s, and everyone had a helicopter in the 70s. All right. Sounds good enough for me. And then uh, recently, in a, in a, I think it was a few, a few years back, they they, they, they brought it back in, in uh, into a Deadpool comic <laughs> where Thanos is like, Hey, Deadpool, it's me, Thanos. I'm in a helicopter. <laughs> that sounds like a Deadpool comic book. <laughs> so I enjoy that quite a bit. But where the real fun begins for me, my friend, is as they are entering that bunker, they're going down underground, and the camera pans, and we start seeing the, the, the things that are buried in, in that ground. And, and, and Mark, did you see what I saw? Well, I saw... Mjolnir, yes, and I saw what appeared to be Thor in a glass jar. No, my friend, what you saw, in fact, was Throg, which is oh, okay. yes, the Frog you know, Thor, you know Throg, yes, right. Don't call him Frog Thor; he has a name. He's Throg. Throg. Okay, I didn't know his name. Yes, and and for anyone who does not know what I'm ta- what the hell I'm talking about, once upon a time Loki turned Thor into a frog, but hey, even as a frog, Thor was still worthy. As, as Throg, he was still worthy. And being the rad Throg that he is, he helped a, a, a bunch of Central Park frogs fight off an invading army of rats. That happened in a comic book. Poor rats never knew what hit him. No, it was, it was Mjolnir. That's what hit him. <laughs> Just smashed him to little bitty pieces. <laughs> Just Just fried a bunch of rats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Throg is a fan favorite character and I, I think I, I did like a double take when I saw that scene I was like wait what <laughs> and I paused it and I went back I was like oh my god it's Throg I'm so happy right now that is from the classic I was watching it on my mm-hmm. go ahead what? go ahead no, I was just saying I was watching it on my computer so smaller screen and I didn't bother to pause it I just thought like oh it's a shrunken Thor no, no, no. Listen, my, my TV resolution is not the world's best either. But I was like, I was like, it's got to be Throg. It's got to be Throg. It's got to be Throg. And, you know, I, I would pause it and I was pretty certain. I never had like defining evidence cause of, of it. But uh, when I checked the internet this morning, everyone was in, in agreement that, yes, in fact, Throg is now in the MCU. And that's all that well, we care about. Poor Throg. He's <laughs> trapped underground. Well, yeah, in the void, but you know, maybe by the end of this, the void is no more, and everyone goes back to their their multiverse of madness that exists in, and Throg will thrive once again. I hope so. I do too. And for anyone out there who is super curious, uh, uh, Throg Dave was in the it was in uh, Walt Simonson's legendary run on on Thor, which, again, you may think Throg sounds silly, but it's so good. <laughs> and Walt Simonson's again, like I said, is, I'm not I'm this is not hyperbole. His run on that book is is like Thor defining, like the, that's what set the stage for this character's like mass popularity. It's classic, okay. classic stuff. So yes, I love seeing Throg. Um, there's a couple things once you get into the bunker that I was I was very curious if you caught any of them because this like I said this episode so densely packed with uh, with Easter eggs that it's it's ridiculous to even uh, try to uh, address all of them. I'm trying to get to as many as I noticed. Uh, but it's 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 crazy. It's it's super crazy. What did you think of the of, of the Lokis in the bunker though? Like chatting, the boastful Lokis, you know, obvious lies about like all the Infinity Stones he had, and and you know all this other stuff, and and 
alligator Thor eating the wrong cat, all that stuff. I enjoyed it. I I, I enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed again once again Richard E. Grant talking about uh, you know he seemed to have the most similar timeline to our Loki. You know he makes it past. Right. He makes it past uh, in in the you know his version of of Infinity War. I, I love the part where he's like, no, you don't try to stab Thanos with knives. <laughs> you use magic, you dope. Right. I love that. Well, that that, that was one question that I had. Um, I, I just, that I found a little bit confusing was that, so, so wait, all of these Lokis all have the same fate, even though they're drastically different? No, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true at all because they all, they all had a very different, unique um, um, nexus event, and and again, I, I think there's more going on here too, like the the, the pruning of these of these branches. Um, I wish I had a better understanding of what's exactly happening to all these variants and all these timelines. I mean, we don't know. We still don't know the reason why Loki, or I'm sorry, why Sylvie got pruned, other than it was like some sort of deviation off the timeline. But that's not really been explained to my satisfaction just yet. I don't know how you. I, I'm assuming you probably feel the same way. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like a little bit more clarity because it feels like it feels like what the TV is really doing is just you know is is destroying the multiverse as they go. It's not about protecting the sacred timeline necessarily. It's about eliminating all the variations of timelines so that the one that leads to Kang or leads to Immortus or whoever survives right that I, I i sort of think we're gonna get more answers next week on that so i i, I haven't i haven't uh I, I have intentionally not you know dove down that rabbit hole because i wanted to wait for the show to kind of give me everything it had before i before i started to try and analyze all the all the all the uh, finer points of it mm-hmm. that's my thought on it you know, there's there's there, there's definitely some things that still need answered, and uh, you know, if we don't get them next week, then we can we can uh, criticize the show for for not doing that and kind of stepping around the the issue the way that uh, uh, Endgame sort of danced around its its uh, time travel pl- you know loopholes and plot holes. Yeah, I have a feeling they're well. I mean, we'll I guess we'll probably get some sort of villain monologue in the next episode, so maybe that'll explain some things. Yeah, I mean that that's entirely possible. If if that if in fact that's what what happens and then we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, but in in the so another thing that happens in the bunker you catch you you caught the Roxy wine right, it's coming back to like the yes. the rocks cart, again uh just right. I, in case I didn't talk about it enough in that episode Roxon is an evil corporation that exists in the Marvel Marvel comic book universe, um they're yeah they're they're like I don't know an evil company corporation they do bad things they pollute they uh, uh, uh they they strip mine places they do horrible things to the planet in the name of profit they're they're sort of uh that they're sort of that company you know they they're sort of the right you know what i mean you know what i'm trying to say i gotcha yeah i gotcha all right so one of the more obscure things i actually had to look this up because i was super curious what this meant but there's there's a couple shots when they're in that underground bunker over over classic loki richard e grant's shoulder is an arcade game Called Polybius, or Polybius, Polybus, Polybus. I don't know exactly how you say it. Okay. So I was like, "What is that? Like, what is that a reference to?" I didn't understand it. Um, it, it it's not a Marvel comic book reference. It, it is actually an urban legend from the early two thousands about a nineteen eighties arcade game developed by the government to act as a as a psychology experiment. 
The purpose was to make players addicted to the game, which would put them in a psychoactive state. <laughs> Have you ever heard this? That's cool. I had never. No, I, I haven't. Yeah, this is like one of those urban legends I I wasn't familiar with. But you you do see the this arcade game over Loki's shoulder a couple different times uh, when while they're in yeah, the, the bowling alley bunker. So I, I googled it later. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So apparently, in one in one Marvel Cinematic Universe of uh, or multiverse, that's a real thing. All right. And I I I, I hope you also caught uh, while. While a classic Loki was discussing being a Loki with all the other Lokis, uh, Kid Loki was on his throne drinking Ecto Cooler. Did you see that? The high C Ecto Cooler? I noticed it was high C. I didn't see which one it was. Yeah, it's, it's Ecto Cooler. So this show continues its love of, of defunct uh, beverages like, like Josta Cola and stuff like that. From... Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, Forgot about the Josta. Yeah. <laughs> And it's also at this point, as as our Loki decides he's going to get out of there, he's not going to hide. He wants to, he's got to help Sylvie. He has to get back to the TVA. He's going to go through Alioth to do it. Uh, he opens up the bunker, and that's when we see for the, for the first time one of the, the Loki variants that I think a lot of us focused on from those trailers, which is President Loki. Right. And a whole bunch of other Lokis at the same time. Yes. Like, <laughs> what, um, I don't know. How did this process for you? How did how this whole sequence play out with the the variants invading the variants and Loki's turning on Loki's uh, alligator Loki biting President Loki's hand? The whole thing. Like, what do you think of that sequence? Um, I thought it was fun. It was silly. Uh, you know, just watching them all turn on each other and our Loki's reaction to that. Seeing that they just they all double cross each other and none of them see it coming. Um, alligator Loki eating. President Loki's hand was great. Um, even even better was 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 President Loki's insanely high pitched scream when he did it. <laughs> right, I, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Loved it. Um, but um, you know, it it also felt like I it, it felt a little like a, a Batman sixty six fight scene. Uh, with like the music that was playing behind it, mm-hmm. it you know, so it was, it was kind of, and I think that was intentional. But yeah. So what I liked about the sequence a lot is is it, it this whole episode in in a sense is sort of Loki getting a better understanding of himself via these other variants, and so he's right. in this bunker surrounded by okay, so he's with Boastful Thor, who we find out is a traitor and and turns on them because he thinks he's going to get to rule the void now because of the lies that President Loki told him. But Alligator Loki, Kid Loki, and our classic Loki, a.k.a. Richard E. Grant, seem to be Lokis who have tried to do different things, who have tried to sort of escape from the path that Lokis seem to end up on. Uh, and then you're, you you see these other variants who are just fighting each other so they can they can rule a heap of garbage, like the Void, uh, but because that's, what, oh, that's, that's sort of what they always think they want. I really like the way I explore that character like that and how our Loki has sort of now moved past that because of the experiences he's had with the TVA and with Sylvie and, and the sort of beginning of understanding that, that Loki alone is not enough and a Loki alone is destined to fail. It's not Loki that's destined to fail. It's when he's not part of something or, you know, it has a, a companionship with somebody like he's, that's how he's like self, failing all the time how he's this self-fulfilling prophecy of loss and 
and and and, and self sabotage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Fraser Crane. I appreciate the uh, the insight <laughs> to the psychology. I you know. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I mean, do you have anything to add to that, or should I just move on? <laughs> no, like, yes, I, I, I had, I had similar thoughts. Okay, um, okay. I'm not way more, off base, at least. <laughs> no, kind of more, more after mm-hmm. that scene when, when they're walking away from that scene, and um, Richard E. Grant. Uh, says, what does he say? He says that every one of them is cutthroat and broken, and anyone who tries to do anything about about it is sent there to the void. So, you know, it, it, it's 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 like the show is kind of a, a a metaphor for Loki, sort of integrating all of these different aspects of of his personality to kind of become a more complete whole and mm-hmm. understand you know why he is the, the way that he is yeah and and, and I, I i sort of want to tie that back to what we were talking about how the tva sort of exists to prune these multiverses uh that don't want to allow any sort of variation because it all has to culminate in the coming again theoretically into in like the coming of kang or the you know whatever like there has to be a specific reason why these multiverses and these variations aren't supposed to exist you know, why, why not? Like, what is it, what, what, what is the danger really if they do exist? Right. Right. Uh, so again, that, that's something that I want to, I want to get more answers to next week, you know, and, and just to foreshadow it a little bit, you know, Mobius is going to go back to the TVA. I'm assuming he's going to get some answers there. And, and, and our Lokis are going to be, are, are going to be at that castle slash mansion or whatever it was. And, and hopefully they'll get answers there and we'll start to understand what the TVA's real purpose is, because obviously the whole TVA is a lie. So everything we saw in that video from episode one uh, is is a spin on what's really going on. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm insanely curious about how that's all going to play out and factor into each other, because, like you said, I mean these Loki's are very very different from each other, and and you know what exactly is it that that you know why are they a real harm if they're in a multiverse? Other than right. to the coming of Kang or Mortis or you know whoever X Y and Z character, yeah, and, and I don't know. Even if those do exist, why is that a threat? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, these are the things I hope we know in the next episode. All right, so we get to a point where uh, Loki again. Loki is with classic kid and Gator Loki at this point. They've left the bunker. They're they're letting the the more uh, uh, backstabby. Loki variants settle out, settle their things on their own. Uh, we have not, our, we have not had a reunion between Sylvie and our Loki just yet. But Sylvie, after herself pruning, uh, is in the void, chased by Elioth, Ali- uh, and is rescued by <laughs> by Owen Wilson in a pizza car, which made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> something about that was just ridiculous enough that I loved it. Yeah, I, it was all right. Uh- when when Alioth is chasing Sylvie though, uh, and and you sort of saw like that little flicker of of her enchanting powers, uh, did you sort mm-hmm. of begin to guess what they were going to try and do later on, or, or were you still kind of processing that as it happened? No, I was kind of processing it. I was like, "What was that?" 
Okay. And just wondered if they were going to come back to it, you know, which obviously, yeah, of course they were going to. So. Right. So, so that happens. Sylvie flickers her enchanting powers on, on one of these, these tendrils of Alias. That's when Owen, or Owen, when Mobius swoops in, picks her up in the pizza car and they make a, make a mad dash away from Alias before they decide they're going to have to go back around because Alias is sort of the key. You know, Sylvie's uh, under the impression that Alias is a guard dog and he's protecting the, uh, the 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 true person or people behind the TVA and the timekeepers and all that stuff. Meanwhile, our Loki has convinced the other Lokis to help him figure out how to kill Alion, Ali Elioth, and and uh, eventually our our Lokis all reunite. And and uh, Sylvie's like, no, that's a terrible plan. You can't you can't try to kill Alioth. Alioth is there for a reason, and we can just enchant him. It's fine. Which again made me laugh. Our Loki's plans are never quite the best. Yeah, um, I don't know. I would, I would have. I, I, I feel like he should be a, a little bit further along at this point. But I mean, know, to be fine. fair, like he thinks this is going to help Sylvie. Like he thinks he's doing the right thing. It's just, right. yeah, you're not going to kill Alioth, dude. That's just not in the cards. Right. And even right. even after. <laughs> Even after a uh, uh, kid Loki gives him a, a, a cool little uh, daggery sword thingy, not gonna be enough. No. Uh, this is also right right before they get back together is when when the USS Aldridge uh, drops down and and, and get, gets Alias' attention as they they attempt to study Alias and find weak spots on it or whatnot. I was curious if you knew the significance of the USS Aldridge. Eldridge. Ah. Uh. They called such attention to it that, that I looked it up and saw that it was uh, part of the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah, and, and that, which is a crazy story to begin with, right? I mean, what it's 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 about a naval ship that turned invisible, right? Uh, it, it's about a man who claimed he witnessed an experiment wherein the U.S. Navy teleported the warship to another dimension. And that a number of sailors were brutally killed when they ran across aliens. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they sort of made it happen in this show, except obviously the Eldridge, the Eldridge is not going back to, uh, to, to its reality. Right. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. Hmm. The Philadelphia experience was always was one of those um, conspiracy theories uh, that I read about. Gosh, like back in like the nineties, I guess when when the internet was new, Mark, and you could like look up weird things and find all kinds of crazy stuff on there. I mean, you they just... also had that movie, The Philadelphia Experiment. They did, but wasn't that like a, like a sci-fi channel movie or something, or was it a real movie? I have I have no idea. I never saw it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's probably not even about the same thing. Uh, by the way, the the back of Mark of uh, the back of Mobius's pizza car. I don't know if you noticed uh, the license plate. GRN-W1D Grunwald. Mark Grunwald, another reference to the, the late great editor from Marvel Comics who oversaw continuity and was in an essence the TVA itself because he was his look is Mobius and all that good stuff. So another little shout out to, the, to that uh, great creator of the comic books which I thought was really, really fun. They are laying it on thick. They are. <laughs> Alright, we gotta talk about some of the other stuff that, that's in the void that, uh, that I caught reference of before we kind of get to like the the sort of final moments of the episode did you catch the the giant yellow jacket helmet giant yellow jacket helmet yeah like the one that, that? 
it, it's 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 like a shot of like the landscape as as our as our heroes are kind of moving across it to uh, the mm-hmm. final the final battle with with Elioth. I no, I I definitely didn't notice. Or is this re- reference to the 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 Ant Man villain? Yeah, it sure is. All right. We also see the Dark Aster uh, running the Accuser's Kree warship crash into the ground. Or at least a Kree warship. It may not be Ronin's, but it sure looks like the Dark Aster. Okay. <laughs> There's a statue of the Living Tribunal, which you may remember from Marvel Comics. He's the one with like the three Sounds faces. The what faces? He has three faces. And like, you know, it's like one of those turny head things. Like each face represents like a certain uh, aspect of its personality or being. Uh, it sounds familiar, but I don't really remember it. Yeah, he was like a like a sort of like a all powerful being of reality in, in Marvel Universe in the in the multiverse in particular. Okay. Uh, you also get to see a crashed helicarrier, which who doesn't like seeing that kind of stuff in the in the background? Uh, I I didn't see that. I didn't notice that. Again, o- over over classic Loki's shoulder, uh, shortly before uh, he meets his uh, demise. Spoilers. Oh, okay. So I want to talk about that because we're, we're kind of that, to that point where all of our heroes have come together. They're kind of having that powwow now. You know, our Loki hanging out with Sylvie, having a chit-chat about... Um, they're, you know, it, it's an interesting... I don't know. What do you think of their conversation? I don't want to say... I mean, obviously, it's an emotional kind of heartfelt conversation for our Loki to be having. Uh, but it's not like... I don't know. I didn't think it was like super sappy or anything. What did you think? It was, it was a little sappy. It was a little... Little cheese ball. You think so? I like the whole yeah. thing with the blanket, the cloak, and you know the. And she asks like, yeah. if it's like a tablecloth. I, I don't. I, I like that whole thing. I thought it was fun. It's not that I didn't like it, but it you know it was just a. It, it's just kind of like that scene. Like you know, you feel like you've seen that scene in you know a dozen different movies, but you know here it's just you know they they do it in the style of, of Loki. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I know you. I know you shot me down a couple episodes ago about like the sort of romantic angle between like Sylvie and our Loki, um, right? And I, you know, I, I sort of don't know if we're gonna go that direction now anymore because I sort of feel like it's more about like the companionship between them as opposed to like some sort of love angle. But I was, I was curious if you had had a read on it. Uh, not, no, not really. I have no idea where they're gonna where they're going to go with it. Yeah, and at, at the same time, they're having that conversation out there, and again, sort of bonding and connecting with each other. Again, I'm not I'm not sure I'm buying into like the, the, the romance thing anymore. Um, I, though it won't, it won't shock me if they were to go that route, but I kind of I think it's more about Loki's being able to bond, like, connect with people again instead of being like lone wolves all the time. That, that's sort of my read on it, and, and, and that sort of gets underlined a little further into the episode. Uh, but this is also the time when it's classic Loki, alligator Loki. You know, they're in the shack with 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 Mobius, and they're having like their little uh, back and forth, which I thought was really funny. So I, you know, I don't want to go back to that necessarily uh, because we already kind of talked about it. But there there wasn't anything else in that you wanted to discuss, right? Uh, no, I I I more or less agree with you. All right, so let's kind of get to like the, the big moment here, where it seems like classic Loki and and everyone else is 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 gone. They're wandering off. Well, actually, not yet. Not just yet. Owen, oh, <laughs> keep on Owen Wilson. Mobius is going to take the ten pad. He's going back to the TVA. Says he's going to burn it to the ground. 
Um, he offers the other variants a chance to go back to the TVA with him. They decline. They're going to stay in the void there um, and do their thing. And then you get like the, that moment, man. Uh, Mobius and Loki in a hug. Again, sort of sort of talk, again, hinting at what, what we're talking about already. Like Loki and, and having friends and companions and people he can trust so he doesn't necessarily have to feel the urge to betray everybody. You know, it's not about getting the best of these people he thinks are beneath him. He's actually seems to have a connection to these people. Right. I really liked it. I love, I love the hug. I love, I love Mobius looking at Sylvie and saying, uh, she's his favorite anyways. That made me laugh. Do, do we think this Loki has earned redemption though? Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly, I think that's what this show has, has been working towards now since, uh, since we got there, you know, it's 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 been a different path than than where Loki gets to um, throughout the other films and the other Avengers movies. Uh, you know, where he ends up in in Ragnarok and where he ends up in Infinity War before Thanos kills him. It's been a sort of a different path for him to get there. Uh, but it, it's, I, I think it's really well earned. I think. What do you do? You disagree? Kind of. Kind of. Okay. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm misremembering the Avengers, but dude tried to enslave an entire world. <laughs> a bunch of people got murdered well, you because go, of it. You should go back and watch the Thor movies. And again, remember, what? I mean, again, and go and remember, go back to the first episode when he gets Scrooged and he sees his life and he sees where being that person that he is leads him and, 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 and what it causes and, and, the, again, the the path that he's on and how it's bad, 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 bad. Yeah, but I don't really care about that. Ebenezer Scrooge didn't murder people and try to enslave an entire planet. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Maybe maybe it's not earned for you yet, but maybe maybe it'll happen next week. Maybe he'll make like uh, the hero sacrifice or something. You know, I, you know, I don't know just yet. We have to wait and see, right? Right. I mean, because part of, you know, one of my, I guess, theories for what will happen at the end of the show is that 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 our Loki will will die and that Sylvie will take up the role. But I I don't know if they're if they're going to do that. I don't know either. It's funny. As you were saying that, I was trying to think and I don't know if we know. I don't know if we know whether or not Tom Hiddleston is going to be in Thor Love and Thunder or not. So, I mean, have you seen any, any right. casting stuff about that yet? No, I, I'm sure I've seen less than what you've seen. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I tend not to pay too much attention to uh, too much of the, of, the, of the casting stuff in there. But yeah. I'm looking at it right now, and I don't see... I don't see Hiddleston, but that might be done intentionally. You know, that might be something they're keeping under wraps while the Loki show is planning out. Like Marvel's pretty savvy about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, now this is something I, I can confirm. I knew this one from before, but you know, it is Matt Damon is coming back as the actor Loki from Ragnarok. Wonderful. <laughs> well, what else is Matt Damon doing? Like we bought a zoo too. Come on, get out of here. All right. Anyway, so. Mobius has got his plan for the next episode. Meanwhile, our Lokis are going to go, and they're going to try and enchant Alioth 
so that they can see the 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 what what he's guarding and the way to whoever it is, whatever it is that knows the answers about the TVA and the timekeepers and all that good stuff. What did you think of this plan, Mark? Were you a fan? Were you enjoying it? Did you enjoy the Lokis uniting to enchant? Did you enjoy classic Loki's sacrifice, the the incredible power he displays to create the illusion of Asgard uh, to distract Alioth while they kind of get their stuff together? Yes, I liked all of it. Um, I was glad, you know, for Sylvie's line, which she said, we're the same person, so we can do the same thing. Right. That made a lot of sense, and I was kind of wondering that throughout uh, throughout the show. Um, I, I think, especially because, as you know, you know, I, I don't pay... I, I haven't rewatched the Marvel films almost at all. Uh, so, I mean, I thought when she was enchanting people, it was like, oh yeah, Loki does that. And I, I guess I was just wrong about that. I, I, I thought I remembered him enchanting people. But... Um, uh, and then the 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 sacrifice that Richard E. Grant made was was great. It, but again, you know, I, I guess I've just been a little bit confused about Loki's powers because, um, you know, he and Loki and Sylvie were both kind of kind of in awe of what classic Loki was doing and sort of the the, the size and and scope of the illusion. Um, and again, I, I just always kind of felt like, well, yeah, you know, he can do that. But I guess that was that that wasn't the case. But, you know, nonetheless, I, I, I liked it. I really liked it. Well, it, you know, and, and that leads to an interesting line where I, where Sylvie uh, asks is like, did you know we could do that as they're watching classic Loki, you know, do the this incredible uh, uh, illusion of, of Asgard? And, and and our Loki responds where he's like he's, he says something along the lines of I'm beginning to suspect we're more powerful than we've thought. Um, and and, he, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say and, and, and yeah, like I mean, I, I I guess I I was confused by that because Loki always seemed to be very powerful to me, but again, well, I guess I was just overestimating his his power set before. Well, and again, I think it kind of goes back to what they're what they're trying to say in this episode. With, with you know, a, a Loki um, working on behalf of others, of you know, not being selfish, is more is a, is a more powerful Loki. He's not self sabotaging because he he's he's doing it to help others and the people he considers friends. It's something he's never had before. And I think you see this display from Richard, Richard E. Grant, who is sort of bonded with these characters relatively quickly. And we know that this is a different that Richard E. Grant's Loki is a different Loki. He walked a different path, uh, and he he missed the connection to people. So now he has right. people again, and so he does this incredible display, and it sort of opens the eyes of both Sylvie and our Loki to to what they are capable of potentially if they were to think beyond themselves and and to again be trusting and bring people into their 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 trust and their their good graces uh, I, I think it helps it, it sort of fundamentally reevaluates the character of Loki from from a whole you know like like from the comic books on I mean from the movies on as well Loki's been this lone wolf character yes he's brothers with Thor but their relationships always been marred by by rivalry even though you know, right. even though Thor was never never considered them rivals, Loki always thought they were rivals because he never felt like he was good enough to be in the same room with Thor. 
and and so he he sort of kind of sort of kind of can craves that that sense of connection with other people he just never knew it right and and so that's why loki is always like destined you know like they've said in the, in previous episodes you know loki's are just destined to fail it's because loki's are alone and people who are alone often fail alone right so yeah. i re- really like how they under underline that in this episode yeah no i agree that was good yeah nailed it bro <laughs> Yep, but yeah, Richard D. Grant's sacrifice was incredible. Uh, you know, I, I you know I don't know, you know, Marvel stuff doesn't often get nominated for any kind of award or anything like that. But like, if Richard D. Grant doesn't get like best guest star <laughs> of a show, I will be truly saddened because watching that man flail about <laughs> with magic coming out of his hands and knowing the for the fact that he probably just stood in front of the green screen and gyrated <laughs> in such an impressive manner. I think he deserves an award. All right. And it, it's not going to go that far, but well, uh, you know. All right, that's I mean, I'm I'm more generous with award giving than you are. That that is a fact. So, but I, I don't watch enough shows to. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't. I'd have like three nominees. So I mean, I got sure. I guess I guess he could win. Actually. Yeah. No. Don't worry. I'm I'm sort of in the same boat. I mean, I, I may watch more shows than you, but that doesn't necessarily mean much of anything. Depending on, based on the quality level, some of them might be at. But again, right. that 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 was the moment there where he was doing all that stuff with uh, with with his hands and, and conjuring and, and and I was like, oh man, this is so funny watching like the the witch hunter from Warlock be the conjurer now. Like the, it, it amused me on such a deep level because of my connection to the to the Warlock from back in like what eighty nine or whatever it was. Yeah, but no, yeah, that's funny. I I I didn't. I just didn't think about that. I wasn't thinking about Warlock. Well, I think we, I, I often forget that that's Richard E. Grant in in that film. Ah, uh, rewatch it, <laughs> rewatch it, and think about it now. <laughs> I just remember him salting the leather. You gotta salt the leather, baby. You gotta salt that leather because yeah. the witches don't like the salt. That's right. That, that that holds true even in Supernatural. They they recognize. Do witches not like salt? I know demons and ghosts don't like salt. Apparently, anything supernatural is not a fan of salt. Salt is very uh. uh pure i guess and maybe that's that's why right yeah anyways <laughs> so their plan works our our two lokis are after the hope the 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 noble sacrifice of classic loki richard e grant shout out pour one out for you buddy uh uh our two lokis are able to enchant alioth they they send him away they are able to peer beyond the veil they see their ultimate destination a, a castle slash mansion looking destination uh through a, a little temporal voidy thing whatever it may be uh yeah and that's that's basically where we end i sort of wondered if we might get uh a peek at who was coming out to greet them or anything like that or like like what awaits us no no no. they kept that under wraps no sort of uh no easter egg or i'm sorry not easter egg but no 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 stinger on this episode no mid-credit sequence uh we are just waiting with bated breath for the final installment next week I dug this episode a ton, man. What did What did you think? I liked it. I thought it was fun. Um, it felt a little like filler. What? Yeah. How dare you? I don't. I don't know if you needed a full episode devoted. To this. I I think this episode was pivotal for for our Loki's understanding of 
why, Loki's failings of 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 his own failings and why other Lokis have always failed, and 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 the things he it, the reasons why and the understanding the, that that missing connection. I loved all that stuff. I thought this episode was fantastic. I disagree mightily. I thought this episode was vital. All right. <laughs> well, I won't ask you for a rating, but I'm giving it nine. I love this episode. I I can't wait to watch it again tonight. And I mean, come on. Okay. You you like. Massive shout out to Alligator Loki, who might have stolen the episode. Like, you know, as much as I love Richard E. Grant, Alligator Loki, oh my goodness, acting his face off. I'm not gonna go that far. I mean, it's a Loki. It's it's, it's an alligator with Loki's helmet on. I mean, does it get cooler than that? It's so much fun. It, yeah, it was fun. And Throg in an episode. Come on, Throg. <laughs> I'm leaving, I'm leaving Mark speechless here. He has no idea what to say, how to respond to my 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 jubilation for this episode of Thor. Or oh my god, this episode of Loki. <laughs> wow. Hey. Let's see, once I, again, Loki failed. Oh, I was overly excited about Throg. I apologize. <laughs> well, Mark, what do you think? You think you'll be able to carve some time out for us and hang out next week for the finale? I think so. I would love that for us because I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about, uh, especially if if we get like answers to some of the questions, and uh, and uh, you know actually let me let me ask you two questions before, before we do wrap it up. Um, do you think they're going to explain to us what Sylvie's nexus event was? Why she had to be pruned? It's hard to say. Um, now that you know that now that we're thinking about it, I yeah I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of monologuing. In the next episode, all right. Um, all right. So maybe maybe we'll get an I, I think we'll get an explanation for that. I think she'll, whoever it is, whatever it is, I'm sure she'll ask that. Yeah, I'm 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 still curious though about like what what her bombings did. I mean, I guess everything that she bombed ended up in the void. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm starting to wonder about. I, I, I you know, we, we'll definitely talk about that if, there, if there's no ramifications from that, or if she just sent these things down there and they pruned it and they all went to the void. I, that's the only thing I can assume, uh, because we we have not really seen the fallout of that just yet, and I'm wondering if that if that'll be something that we do talk about next week. Yeah. Uh, the other question I had for you is like, what do you think Renslayer's play is going into the final episode? We, you know, other than the the opening of the show. We really didn't catch up with her much. There is a there is a scene in the, in the middle of the episode where she goes to Agent B fifteen, and they and they sort of talk about why B fifteen did what she did, and why Sylvie's going to win because she needs it and Renslayer only wants it. And I I did like that scene quite a bit between those two actors. I thought it was a, a really strong scene, um, but it, it it wasn't quite germane enough to our our discussion today to kind of get into the the bits and pieces of it. But uh, I did like it. But what do you think Renslayer's ultimate plan is here, or ultimate play? Is, is she going to make it to the void to ha- to see what our Loki's about to see, or is she going to be stuck dealing with Mobius? I think she'll be stuck dealing with Mobius. Yeah, I kind of think that's going to be the case too. I think Mobius is going to ultimately end up buying our Loki's the time they need for the the confrontation uh, that is coming for them. Uh, yeah. And then at some point, I think every everyone will stand. The you know whoever's behind everything will stand revealed before everyone at some point at this in this next episode, right? 
Uh, I'm, I'm curious, again, the we seem to be on the yellow brick road towards Kang. Uh, you said earlier that you're, you're, you're still buying Kang. Uh, do you think there's a possibility of anything else? I mean, there's always Mephisto. <laughs> I've been making that joke for a while now. You're definitely right about that. I put some other ideas out there in the universe on the, on the last episode of, of things that could happen, uh, potentially for the person to be behind everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I also want to posit one other theory. Um, not it's, it, it's not a theory that I have a lot of uh, confidence in, but it's something that would tie would kind of tie back into the first episode of the show. But what if it was a Loki variant that was behind the TVA all along? Would that what would you think of that idea? I I'd be into that. Yeah, I think that I think that that has a little bit of tra- uh, there's a little bit of track for that to grab some traction. And and we can move ahead with a with a Loki who who actually did end up winning, but in a very solitary, isolated sort of way. In that in that no one can know that he won. And and, and like, right. again, what does that say about Loki, in in that regard? If he can't boast about being the winner, so uh, th- there's some possibilities there with that that I, I, I'm like I'm ready to explore. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with all the possibilities I've thrown out there on the podcast. Even the ridiculous Mephisto idea, but <laughs> but uh, 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 yeah, I'm just looking forward to next week a lot, man. I can't help it. I'm excited for this one. I've really, really enjoyed the show. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Well, right on, man. Uh, I will let you go now. I don't think I have anything else to say about this one. How about you? No, I I think that about covered it. All right, long live Throg. All right, dude. I will catch you later. Thanks for hanging out today. Uh, talk to you soon. All right, thanks, man. Bye. Bye. You really don't remember him? I mean, TVA had arrested a lot of Lokis, but... No, I don't remember an alligator. I mean, who's to say he's even a Loki variant? He's green, isn't he? I don't know. He could be lying. The long con. Of course, that just makes him more likely to be a Loki. It's always the game within the game with you guys which I respect. Woo! All right, we're back from the conversation with Mark about episode five, Journey into Mystery on the Loki series, airing exclusively on Disney+. This episode, again, I will repeat it, directed by Kate Heron, written by Tom Kaufman, Journey into Mystery, an obvious connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, to the Marvel comic book universe, that's where Loki and Thor both made their first appearances in the comic book Journey into Mystery. And then many, 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 many years later, Kid Loki would make his debut in, in a new version of Journey into Mystery uh, as, as the Thor book transitioned back to that title. It's a whole thing. Don't ask me to explain why comic books change their titles but keep their numbering. It's a whole thing. They do it, and that's just, you just roll with it. That's what happens. It's how it goes. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation about the episode of Loki. Uh, if you have any different thoughts or opinions on what was said today, if you want to get your opinion out there and share it with us here on the show, remember the best way to do that. Uh, so, uh, oh boy, on social media at Tomcast Popcast, Twitter and Instagram, you can please email the show at TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. If if the if the character restrictions on those platforms are 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 not enough. For you to get out what you have to say, email the show. Please, please, please do that. And again, I thank you for listening, supporting this show, uh, telling your friends and family and loved ones, uh, your enemies, 
all about the show. That's the best way to help us out so, so much. We are on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, and so many, many more. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you have the time or the inclination, five-star reviews help us defeat the evil algorithm, which is like which is like Altheon. It's trying to consume us and, and leave behind a, a tarnished version of our long-horned helm, like, like classic Loki, a.k.a. Richard E. Grant, R.I.P., pour one out, rest in power, king. We love you. You're the best. And with that being said, we should probably get out of here because, uh, yeah, this show's getting a bit ridiculous. But we've had fun. I'm loving this show personally. I can't wait to watch next week's episode to get back on here. We're probably going to hang out with Mark again. Uh, but I think the following week, we have a special guest. Hopefully, fingers crossed, lined up. If I can make the stars align, we'll have a whole brand new guest that's not been on the podcast airwaves, the podcast airwaves before. And and that will be a real treat if that comes to fruition. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And and we'll review the whole series uh, in its entirety. And, and hopefully, with a new perspective, have a whole new conversation at the same time. It'll be a lot, a lot of fun. I'm really, really looking forward to making that happen. But remember, next Wednesday, we will be back for Loki Wednesdays, the final installment of Loki Wednesdays. Mark your calendars. Make sure your app's subscribing so you get us in the feed. And, and please, please, please enjoy the show. And, and we thank you in advance for the support. We love it so, so much. I want to thank out, uh, thank out? That's not a word. I want to thank the official members of Pophead Nation, which you can sign up for at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation and gain access to bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Jeff is the host on The Ring and Ear, a great music podcast. Please check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Brian Broussard, the New Jersey... Ooh, boy, that's a hard one. The New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, coming through the Baltimore, Maryland, and, of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. Thank you all so much for your love and support, making sure this podcast gets better and better, hopefully sounding better and better, and it's just... More enjoyable every week you listen to it. Thank you so, so much. My name is Tom. This is a TomCast podcast, your small independent home for pop culture podcast news. And and we thank you for being here. And we look forward to seeing you next time. And you know what that means. It's time to get out of here. We close out this podcast as we always do. Ciao, babes. So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah! And I'm a big fan of your beer, too.